Are you ready for the ultimate story of swords and sorcery? And also a story illustrating why the Bernie Sanders, let's just help people, way of thinking will always end in blood and betrayal? Well, we got the movie for you in today's episode of The Bomb Squad. <laughs> to be fair, like, it doesn't even work for a little bit in real life, but it works for a good few years in the story. Yeah, like, things are going well for a while. <laughs> that's why it's a fantasy, because... <laughs> it would immediately start. Um, okay, so Josh, tell us what... This is the second entry. This is the third entry. I didn't count Night Riders because it's so terrible. <laughs> this is the third entry in our medieval movie. Week, month, whatever. And Josh, tell us the movie and describe the plot. Uh, the movie is Excalibur. It is the life and times of King Arthur. I would say the conception... The birth, the life, and then the death of King Arthur. Not many Arthur movies. Dragon, the the famous <laughs> king. The famous king. Yeah, the once and future king of England. Not a, not yeah. enough movies start with a conception, which is which is good. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me get some of the business out of the way. This was directed by John Borman. Here's the funny thing: is he was originally going to direct a version of lord of the rings and they had built like a lot of the stuff for it and then they were like oh lord of the rings are you insane that's way too expensive so they uh so he 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 ended up doing excalibur which is similar and um it stars nigel terry as king arthur it stars helen murin as morgana it was like a lot of people's first movie like patrick stewart liam neeson which is cool like it's cool and it's cool to see them in a role where they're not like treated as stars because like liam neeson and patrick stewart just like end up uh, dying off screen and you never even see them but um yeah that is cool the way that patrick stewart kind of plays against type because i think ever since star trek he's played kind of a an intellectual even if it's like a joke you know he's still kind of the sophisticated british man but in this he's like the loud brush brash like dumbass you know it was cool to see him like totally like different well uh, well this is actually kind of funny jo john borman actually directed this he directed the exorcist 2 to fund this one so the exorcist 2 was going to be the studio's <laughs> movie and then that was the biggest bomb of all time <laughs> that everyone hated so this actually became his comeback movie from the movie that was supposed to be the big hit um Nice. And then the only other I've never thing, seen The Exorcist 2, but I've never heard I think we should watch it, it yeah, because I've never heard any good... I think I've seen it and I forgot. Um, <laughs> that's usually good. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, one of the other things that I liked about it is that originally it was supposed to be like three hours long and he cut out... No, that's not what I wanted to say. I mean, that is true, but who gives a shit? Yeah, I will, I will say one of the, the kind of it's a strength and a weakness at times in this movie where it feels like it's already two and a half hours, but it feels like it should be longer. It almost feels like a truncated mini series. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, and a few that's spots. kind of why I like it because like there's so much of this movie that shouldn't work because it does tell the story of, um, of King Arthur from conception to death. <laughs> and so like it, it is just kind of hopping around scenes. But, like, every scene is so good by its own, on its own, that you kind of forgive, like, the fact that it kind of jumps a little bit and sometimes characters get lost in the in-between. the in -between, Which makes it 
and I don't know if they were going for this, but it does make it like it gives it a kind of real life feel to it where like, you know, how sometimes you have friends and they disappear, not because you hate them or you had a falling out, but just because life went on and you kind of moved on. And you, that's kind of how a lot of this feels where it's like, oh, well, where's Patrick Stewart? One of yours dad. It's like, well, it's been like 40 years. I think he's dead. Yeah. They, and they do. And in, and in a way, it, like it does work like there, there is a scene very early on. Where it essentially goes from, like, Arthur is born, and Merlin's like, hey, I'm taking this baby, you know, with me because of this, you know, this deal we made. And then it basically just cuts to him at, like, age 20, you know, like, where he's just, like, a squire to I think it's supposed to be, like, 16, yeah. Oh, well, I, can't. I mean, he's a young man, but it also, it doesn't even, like, there's no intro to it. It's just like, oh, now it's later not like bad nights are overrunning right, the land right. and he's just a squire and it doesn't it like it kind of rushes through it but in a way where it's like hey, you'll get it like it's it's like it the movie trusts you to figure out what's going on just like as the scene unfolds without like giving you a big introduction which is i don't know i liked it yeah i think okay so to get into it i think one of the good things i liked about this movie is that it feels very real even from the pacing like i said since it pops up and like the nights feel real like, again, like, if we go back to Knight Riders, <laughs> we saw last week, where it's like, oh, yeah, like, we have to have honor. We can't do drugs or drink or trash hotel rooms because we're knights. And in this movie, like, Gabriel Bryan, Gabriel Bryan plays Uther Pendragon. And at the very beginning, they're at war. And then Merlin comes out and he's like, I'm going to, I believe that you're going to be a good leader. Here's Excalibur for you to take. Everyone knows that. Excalibur is like uh, the sort of power. So Pendragon's like, I have Excalibur now. I can't lose. We should come to peace. And the bad guy's like, well, okay, but what are you going to do for me? And then Pendragon's like, you can own like all of Ireland or wherever they are. And I, as long as you serve the king. And they're like, okay, cool. Like in Game they, of Thrones. They also do like, they very much make it to where he's kind of unreasonable. Like, like Merlin is there helping him, but he's like... Why, why do I have to give you anything? I'm the king, and Merlin's like, hey, maybe don't start a war immediately. He's like, fine. Yeah. Which I guess you can have these lands. Yeah. Speaking of which, then they immediately, like, have a party, and then the guy, the bad king, is like, hey, check out my hot wife. She's going to dance, and she starts dancing. And then Pendragon's like, oh, well, let's go to war because I want to have sex with the wife. <laughs> and then they also, do. I should, th this is a bad, I will say, like, this movie gets points here or there, but this is supposed to be an erotic dance that, like, seduces him into wanting to steal this guy's wife. And she's just twirling in circles. <laughs> it's, that, like, the laziest. Again, like, that's why I like, like it. Because, like, if you, like, <laughs> see any Renaissance fair, that's always how they dance. And I feel like white... That is true. Maybe that was exotic dancing, but it's very much like if you're just spinning in a circle with a veil. Like, no, no thought put into it whatsoever. Think about how isolated white England would be in the 16th century. And then think about how they dance now, even though they know what dancing should look like, and realize <laughs> that that's what they thought dancing would be. So yeah. That's so, fair. So Gabriel Bryan immediately wants to go to war to have sex with the mom. And then... Merlin's like, okay, I'm going to make you look like the husband while the husband's at war so you can go have sex with her. And then, and then he does. And then Merlin's like, I want the baby. And that's Arthur. And then Merlin takes the baby. And then 
Gabe, or Pendragon like is chasing him because he wants the baby back and then they ambush him. Also, the funniest thing happens in that scene because he's like riding away and then all these knights attack him because <laughs> he's lost their trust because of the wife fucking thing. And then they attack him and they pull him off the horse and someone yells, ambush! But it could only be like the people ambushing him who say it. It's like, why did you, oh, yeah. why did you yell that out loud? We know what we're doing. Like, I wish more villains would just yell what their intentions are when they're attacking. Surprise attack! Yeah, so, yeah. counterpunch. Um, and I thought that was funny. So they kill Pendragon, and oh well, they stab him, and then Pendragon he takes the Excalibur and he throws it. Oh, no, he stabs it into the stone. In the, it's the sword of the stone in this legend. And so nobody can take it, and Merlin's like, oh no, what have you done? And he, like, curses it real fast so that only the king of England can take the stone, the sword from the stone. But, like, nobody told Pendragon to do that. <laughs> and yeah, there's it was, going... It was a weird, like, he just knew it would work. He's like, well, I'm just going to shove this here, and no one else can have it. Well, you it's, know? it's it... not... It's I, I mean, I don't, I don't care about that. It's more that, like, he's such a petty asshole... That he tried to stab a stone with a sword just so nobody else could have it. Even though he's about to die. And he's not going to be king anymore. It's like, should I help? Should I help everyone else? And let him have the sword of power? Or should I stab it into a stone for bullshit reasons? And that's why I think that Uther Pendragon is the original Chad of, of history. Because he immediately wants to cheat on your... or take your wife. And he does. He succeeds. And he gets you killed. And then, if he loses, he screws you over for literally no reason. <laughs> he is very... He is very dickish. Um, they even kind of, like, at the very beginning, the first thing you see in the movie... Is his like silhouette and armor, and he's like intentionally like demonic looking, like right. he, it's like a demonic helmet, you know? It's a nice touch. It does give you vibes of like, are we the baddies? Kind of like, why is Uther's yeah. pen dragon? Like, it looks like a dragon, which I guess that is his name, but it is funny. It's like, why you look like a bad guy? You look like you would cheat on me with my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, cuts to many years later. And, oh yeah, and see, this is what I was talking about, is that, like, the knights in the movie, they always kind of feel realistic. Like, after Arthur becomes the king, or, well, even then, when Arthur becomes the king, he pulls the sword from the stone, and everyone's, like, freaking out. And they immediately go to war, because they're like, oh, we're not gonna serve some squire that nobody knows, you know? He's like a little, he's like a little virgin. Yeah, and, and they kind of, like, they imply, too, that after Uther died... Things just went bad enough that, like, most knights are basically just, like, robbers and, like, you know, bandits, kind of. Yeah, I kind of... Like, like, one level above that. Yeah, I kind of felt that, like, all the kind of tribes broke off into their own little sects and got their own castles. And so, yeah, so Arthur has to, like, go stop them. And then, like, he gets in a fight with them and he gets a guy and he has him by the sword. Or by... He has him, like, he's threatening him. And he's like, will you yield? And then the guy's like, no. And then Arthur tells him, he ta- he gives him the Excalibur. And he says, then knight me since you don't want to, f- you, you have to serve a knight. And that like teaches that knight and Merlin that Arthur's different than everyone else. Which is a good character moment to see the difference between Arthur 
and yeah it's and like he Pendragon. he makes them be what they should have been the whole time like what they kind of claim to be like he brings them to his level it is it, it is nice because yeah it's like he he not only like like kind of is like oh will you yield oh i would only yield to a knight not some like peasant ass bitch but he gives him like Excalibur, so the guy has Excalibur in his hands, and, and even his own men are like, "Kill him," you know? Yeah, like, just chop <laughs> his head off. And then, but he's so like moved by like the honor that like that's what gets him to succeed. So it's nice. It's yeah. a, it's a good scene. Uh, I will say after this though, it gets a little hairy because they immediately make Arthur kind of an asshole. Yeah, he like that. This is the scene where Lance like he he meets Lancelot. And he confronts him, and it kind of goes from like, oh, he's this very even-handed, thoughtful <laughs> man, to like, oh, he is so angry, he's just going to do anything he can to get this guy. Yeah. I do get it, because Lancelot's kind of a dick, like, in the whole movie, he's unlikable, <laughs> but but it, it's a very abrupt change for Arthur's character, and that's, that's where the movie's like kind of rushing along works against it a little bit. And it is a thing that I was talking about with the life, how it feels like real life, because yeah, it goes from Arthur like showing that he's noble and doesn't care about, like he would rather gain people's trust than go to war with them, and he immediately like wants to kill Lancelot, because Lancelot kind of embarrassed him a little bit like Lancelot has beat all his but, knights but only in this scene too we like and I think that's what makes this this one scene stand out is that after this he goes back to being that guy again it's like he loses his temper once ever with Lancelot and that's it because they even make a big deal that the sword breaks because he's so angry and yeah because he like, he's fixed. fighting he's fighting like Lancelot has beat all his men and so Arthur's like, okay, well, let me do it. And then he goes up to Lancelot, and Lancelot's like, well, I'm the best. And then he's like, oh, yeah, prove it. So they fight, and then, like, King Arthur immediately wants to kill him. <laughs> and, uh, and King Arthur, he, like, yeah, he breaks the sword, and he throws it in the ocean. That's when he realizes, or he throws it in the lake. And that's when he realizes that you shouldn't, you shouldn't just do things to be selfish, because he very clearly was, like, his pride had been hurt, and he should only do things to help the people so then he like helps lancelot and makes him like his best friend and like yeah, it's he a swears good himself to him and, yeah it's a good yeah. moment but yeah it does kind of feel like there should have been one scene in between of him like you know just kind of yeah, growing some, up as something king. something to show that like because he almost starts really good and he is really good and there's never like a Oh, he has a few moments of doubt. Like that's the, except for that scene, but that happens so quick. Does he get married they... before or after? No, it's it's, it's after, right? After. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's after. Yeah. Or it shows that he knows that this the country of England is better or is more important than than just one man, and then it immediately goes to him forgetting that lesson, having to be retaught it. <laughs> and it is a, and they even kind of rush through this scene because he goes like. Like, they, they do make a big deal of him breaking the sword and he throws in the lake. He's like, England is ruined. And Merlin's like, there is no future. And then, like, literally a minute later, it's like, just kidding. The sword's fine. <laughs> you learned your lesson. Let's just move on. Also, and the, there becomes... Like, it's, it's very There quick. becomes... There's a scene in there that's also one of my favorite scenes. It tells Merlin, like, hey, are you going to help me out? And Merlin's, like, trying to catch a fish. 
and, and keep in mind, up until this point, this movie has been filled with sex and betrayal and people's heads getting cut off. And Merlin's like trying to catch a fish and then he catches one. And he's like, and the fish jumps out of his hand and he's like, remember, Arthur, someone will always be more clever than you. And then he falls into the water and he even like shakes his hand like, whoa. <laughs> And it's straight out of a Disney movie, and it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of this movie at all, but it makes me laugh yeah, so much. That, that's like, it's such a weird thing where, because they do it like maybe one or two other times. Because, like, for the rest of the movie, Merlin is like the guy who gives you extremely vague but serious, like, life changing yeah. advice. And then it'll be like, gulp, and like slip on something. That's why I like Merlin, because he's like, whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Yeah, him falling in the water is so funny to me. But it's it's like in uh, it's like in Christopher Nolan movies, like the Batman movies, where it's only the cops tell jokes, and the rest of the movie is a hundred percent serious. Yeah, and I think yeah. like that's one of the things. Going back to the night part, I do think that is one of the things I like about it is that the knights, unlike Night Riders, the knights are they're human, and I, you know, I was talking about to this with someone else this week. Where a lot of times my problem with like Marvel movies or even DC movies or superhero movies in general is that like we've we've kind of gotten attached to this idea that there's the one, like the destined one, who's gonna like solve all the problems. And so they make it so that he's infallible, you know, like uh, off the top of my head, Captain Marvel. <laughs> uh, she doesn't <laughs> like she doesn't really have any problems. Where, like, in this one, even though King Arthur is literally destined to be the king of England, he's constantly, like, messing up or having, like, moments of doubt or just, like, having mistakes that sometimes he has to go back on. Like, at the end, he, like, obviously Lancelot and Guinevere hook up. He gets mad and he starts to go into a a depression slide. (laughs) Me and you both, Arthur. Um, He goes into a depression slide. And then he, uh, (laughs) like... They, they give them, so they all go off for the Holy Grail. We're just skipping to the spoilers to help my point. But they go find the Holy Grail. They give it to him. He gets better. And he goes to see Guinevere, who's long, like, fled the castle because of her cheating ways. And Arthur, like, goes up to her and he tells her, like, yeah, it was my fault as well. Because I cared more about ruling the kingdom than being a man. And I still have to do that. Like, I still have to be king above being a man or being a husband. And Guinevere's like, well, fuck you, Arthur. Here's your sword back. Um, but yeah, like, <laughs> Arthur is never seen as someone who can't make mistakes. He's always seen um, as someone who's constantly... Yeah, it's, a, it's a very weird. And you almost like... But but it's someone... Other than that, the sword-breaking scene, it's always a mistake where you can kind of see where he's coming mm-hmm. from. Like, the big pivotal thing that kind of messes up the Lancelot thing is like, Everyone kind of mm-hmm. knows that Lancelot and the Queen are kind of looking at each other, you know? And nothing's happened at this point. Um, but then uh, Liam Neeson is the drunk knight Gawain who, like, finally says it out loud and is like, you slut! It's like, stop looking! <laughs> um, and sh- and she's like, Arthur, you have to defend my honor. He's like, well, I'm the king, so it would be weird if I were to, like... He can't... Judge yeah, because he has to be judged. I can't be the judge and a participant in the trial. Right. Like, and it's like that makes sense legally, but also your wife hates <laughs> you now because, <laughs> because 
because you're like impartial and, bullshit is just making everyone. And mad even at then, them. like Arthur never says, "Well, I don't want to because you're clearly cheating on me emotionally with Lancelot." It's always like, "Oh no, I can't because of my kingly duties," you know. And it's like, "This is why. This is why am I fucking Lancelot every five seconds?" Also, because he's the only man who looks even remotely attractive. <laughs> everyone else he, he comes across as unlikable yeah, well not only I that know, i just didn't like him not only that time. but lancelot is the most attractive man and he's not even that attractive he looks like the kind of hot guidance counselor at summer Cramp when you're a kid <laughs> he does not look that good and he's supposed to be the most attractive which he is but only because everyone else is but ugly in this movie yeah, or like like Liam Neeson's not unattractive, but they give him the most like homeless beard yeah. you could give him. They give him like they give him the <laughs> chin beard, but then they like pull out the the whiskers, so it's like sticking out in the air, and he literally looks like a Simpsons character. He looks like Groundskeeper Willie. Um, but yeah, so and I think that's one of the good things, like from Pendragon, who is an asshole from the beginning, but even to Lancelot too. King Arthur, like this movie is very much about how men, even if they have the best of intentions, can be brought down by themselves because men are fallible and they should be. And as to that, like it was almost this like they they almost kind of comment on like the nature of humanity because once him and Lancelot become friends and before it gets to like you know the cheating, there's kind of a big scene where the night him and Lancelot. Don't you mean and... Bernie and Warren? <laughs> Polit- this is a political <laughs> don't, podcast now. Don't bring, don't bring Elizabeth Ward into this. <laughs> um, anyway, no, there's a scene where they're all gathered around, and it's kind of the scene where it's like, oh, I'm going to build a, a table to commemorate how we're all standing in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the Knights of the Round Table, and it's this scene where they've essentially succeeded. Like, he's united England, everything's at peace, like, the land is bountiful, and it's almost like oh, everything is so good that these knights who've, like, made their name, like, you know, going to war and, like, conquesting, have, like, gotten bored, and that's why, like, courtly intrigue and cheating is happening, you know? It's, it's like, oh, they're so successful, they don't have anything better yeah, to don't do. Yeah, don't they... Like, oh, that's kind of an interesting Don't they even idea. comment on that, like, that they... They're just bored and they don't have shit to do? Yeah, they even say, like, oh, my knights were made to go right. out raiding, but now there's nothing to do. You know, it's it's like kind of one and of those. speaking of which, we all know what that feels like being in Corona times. Um, <laughs> I feel, I've, there's indeed I've, nothing to do. I feel like accusing do. Benny and Leia of cheating, even though they're dogs and they're not legally <laughs> married yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's, like, again, like, if you know anything about knights... Even though they had a code of honor, they weren't super honorable. And they always liked to bone whatever they could, and especially if you were the enemy. So, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I think it's almost necessary to. It's almost impossible not to think about Game of Thrones now that it's kind of said and done, and like in like the cultural like you know sphere. Um, and and I was thinking about it when watching it, but it's almost that like. Game of Thrones was supposed to be a subversion of, like, Arthurian, like, legends about, like, honorable knights and stuff. But it's almost like Game of Thrones is just a slightly worse <laughs> version. I mean, more more expensive and longer and, you know, obviously, like, there's more to, like, like the action scenes and stuff. But it's not really a subversion because the tale itself is a, sub, like, a version of, like, knightly honor. It's like, oh, yeah, even... 
even the greatest and game of thrones just is like yeah yeah i agree yeah you know, you know what i, I mean? kind of feel like, like if you're it's like i kind of feel yeah. like if you're ed harris from knight riders you would think that Game of Thrones is a subversion of the material. But if you've actually read fantasy or you know anything about the Arthurian legend, you're like, oh, yeah. no, that's just kind of how all of them are. Like Lancelot cheats on whoever. Yeah. And... and it even kind of has a sense, um, and I don't know if you want to get into spoilers, but basically um, our half-sister, um, Uther, well, he's not actually, no, it's Arthur's half-sister by his mother's side. Yeah, it's Morgana. Morgan Le Fay, isn't daughter. it? Morgana, yeah. Played by Helen Mirren. I don't know. No, it's, it's... I know. Like, I didn't even realize it was Helen Mirren. She looks so young. But anyway. Yeah, she's Morgana. Um, so she essentially... She tricks Arthur much the same way that his father tricked her mother. She uses magic to make herself look like his wife. And then, like, essentially, like, sleeps with him, gets pregnant. And she births, like, an evil... Arthur like bastard incest son yeah. who she like raises to be evil and it's and it kind of has that same thing in like game of thrones where it's like oh there's kind of like the good like the kind of the good like nobodies you know like like lancelot's like squire is like the guy who tries to help and stuff later it's always these kind of poor people versus like evil ancestral like royalty but it, it's like realistic in this in the sense of like, oh yeah, she raises him bad and he's like, he's like a tyrant. But it never gets into like the Game of Thrones like, oh, and then he, he rapes babies to death too, you know, and he like eats children and like tortures everyone. And it's almost like, yeah, you can have things be miserable, but also have it be like realistically miserable, yeah. you know, like where it's not just torture for torture's sake, which is I think what like a good third of game of thrones ends up being in like the second half yeah. you know real places is that everyone is kind of realistic even the bad guys were like yeah like josh was saying in game of thrones there is like characters where it's like actually this is gonna hurt you but you're just gonna do it to be good or bad where characters in like i believe that uh you know I believe that Arthur, or that Queen Guinevere and Lancelot were just boning because they're both the only attractive people in that building. Where I believe that <laughs> right. way more that they just succumb to lust than like half the stuff that happens in Game of Thrones because they do it because, oh yeah, we're evil. And I like Game of Thrones. But yeah, so much of it was like... And I, I kind of... I don't want to shit on Game of Thrones because everyone shits on it. And I think that like the thing is... Is that you could tell that they didn't really know where they were going and they kind of had an idea, but it's more, it's not so much that they didn't know where they were going, they just didn't know how much time they were gonna have. Cause like that thing, to like yeah, like that yeah. thing that we were talking yeah. about where it goes from Arthur learning the lesson with the knights to Arthur having to relearn the lesson with Lancelot, that happens like every season with the dragon lady. <laughs> Where, like, in one episode, she's, like, forgiving. Like, she ties up her dragons because they accidentally killed the farm herder. And she's, like, she doesn't want to hurt anyone. And in the next episode, she's, like, hanging slavers from crosses on the way to the buildings. Like, you can't you can't be both. I mean, you can, but... You can see, like, the character beats. Yeah. And, oh, no, and I do agree with that because it's, like, in a weird way that when he was making this movie, he knew he'd have to rush it a bit to cover, like, Arthur's whole life. So, like, it, it jumps around and it rushes. 
And other than that sword breaking scene, it is pretty much like, okay, it's still like following like what feels like a complete narrative. Whereas in Game of Thrones, it starts to feel rushed because you're like, oh, they ran out of time and just didn't want to do Game of Thrones anymore. You know, yeah. like it's like, like stuff happens. Like, so you, so you almost feel the planning in this versus how poorly it was planned near the end yeah. of Game of Thrones to where you, you appreciate this a little bit more, even though it, you know, looks a lot less expensive. And I think that that's, <laughs> so. like, that's one of the problems. I mean, that, that's, like, one of the things with Game of Thrones is that, that like, that's why it's so divisive is because I think that Danny, the dragon lady, could have gone evil because of all the evil shit she did over the course of the show. But like other people who think... <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I thought it was obvious they were building towards that too, but they also don't do it for like the first five seasons of the show. They're like, no, she was justified Yeah, and because time. she's justified, the people <laughs> yeah. who didn't want her to turn evil have enough evidence to be like, well, she did this and this was nice. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's not so much that you're wrong or I'm wrong. It's more that the character was inconsistent. And you didn't have the time to get her to the point where she needed to be. Right. Like, they killed her friend, but that's about it. Like, <laughs> you know how many friends Arthur loses in this movie? All of it's them. It's kind of funny, because I, I do think... Too, because of his own doing. <laughs> in, uh, in Arthur, like, the one kind of, like, the evil witch character, Morgana, they, they do very, like, well set up. Even though she's not in it very much until the end... They kind of set up at the very beginning, she essentially sees the man who killed her father and basically raped her mother. You no, she, she did. Just kind of walking It's a away. very Wonder Woman 1984 situation where it's clear she, that's what, exactly what happened. <laughs> okay, they, they do set up a good arc for her because she, you see her as a child with a reason to hate this guy. Later, she learns magic essentially because she knows she's going to have to like get around Merlin to take her revenge. And even then, she only, tr like, traps him because he's about to kill her. Like, he knows she's, like, prophecy right. to do it. It's kind of a whole fate thing. So he's going to trap her when all she does is turn the tables on him and trap him first. So it's, like, it's believable evil, you know, in a sense of, uh, like, it's like, okay, I see why she's doing this. And I kind of see why she would turn this way. Whereas in Game of Thrones, it's like, well, now it's time for this character right, <laughs> to right. turn evil. So... So get ready for that. Yeah, I think, like, yeah, especially, like, the bald-headed eunuch guy in Game of Thrones just kind of dies for no reason. And he's just like, oh, we just need this scene. My favorite is, I don't know if you saw the making of no. that season. It's like a little documentary. It's all right. Uh, they're doing the table read of, like, the final season in that actor. You could just tell, like, by the look of his face, is like, wow, this fucking <laughs> sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> this is dog shit. You could just see it on his but, face. But, um, yeah, I think Morgana, who's, like, more interesting than any character I've mentioned so far, um, she's, like, like, her motivation makes sense. She wants to be the queen because she technically should have been the queen since she's, like, the son, or she's the daughter of... Of all the kings in England so far. Um, and so she like she has a very clear motivation. And like the you even see like because Merlin knows that she's magical. Because she's like tells Merlin a couple of things that gives him illusion. So he starts training her because he wants her to like take over for him. And then he realizes that she's gone to the dark side. And that scene where they're like both both of them are talking but they're both lying to each other. And you don't know which one's 
like gonna come out ahead until Merlin gets stabbed in the back, literally. Um, is one of the best scenes in the movie because even even though I've seen this movie a bunch of times, I always forget exactly how that scene ends and that Merlin's about to get himself trapped in a in a in a crystal ball. <laughs> um, and it's just so good, like just the dialogue, the way they're talking about it, the well, like fact that you know both of their motivations and what they want to be saying and that they're not saying it. It's just a very interesting scene. It's all done through <laughs> There is a good scene right before that too. And it's it's a good scene because it works better in retrospect. Um, just before this where he's, he's kind of walking with Arthur and Arthur's very troubled by the fact that his wife is cheating on him with his best friend. And <laughs> he's like, Merlin, tell me, will I ever get through this? Will I ever have a son? And I was just like, yes. It's like, really? Just yes? You're not going to, like, give me some vague, like, riddle answer like you usually do? He's like, no, you'll have a son. But you realize later, you're like, oh, him having the son is what ruins his life <laughs> because it's an evil son. Yeah. When Pendragon has sex with the woman, well, when he sexually assaults that girl, um, she, like, he keeps the illusion up the whole time so she doesn't know. And even afterwards, she doesn't know until... Arthur's born and the way Pendragon reacts that it was always going to be him that was the one who was visitor to that night but Morgana like she looks like Guinevere and she starts having sex with Arthur and like as soon as they start having sex she instantly turns back <laughs> to, to, to look like Helen Mirren yeah. and she's like it was me all along and it's like man why would you do this like you're just being you're just being extra cruel Morgana yeah um it's it's understandably spiteful though like yeah it, it I comes mean, from you're like yeah this guy did ruin her like him and merlin ruined but it wasn't her life, arthur who ruined her life arthur you know? actually tried to help her well true but he's the circumstances right. of like the only reason that happened is so arthur would it's be kind born, of that thing know? where it's like arthur is punished for things that he wasn't in charge of but when you're the king or when you're the leader that sometimes is the case that you have to be you have to take into account that people aren't monoliths and they have a wide range of emotions and like stuff that you're not in charge of might end up being a factor later on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's very like you're, you're just going to get blamed for anything bad. happening. Well, no, it's more than like, yeah, like... sometimes people like, uh, <clears throat> so, like that. I don't know. Like there, there's just some things that like people bring in their baggage and you have to deal with that too. And sometimes it means you have to stab your your friend in the back with a sword that you didn't realize. Um. <laughs> they, they, there are a few parts too, because the, the whole movie is about fate and everything. Like Merlin kind of knows what's going to happen and alludes to it. But I mean, he can't see the outcome, but it always comes to pass. But they, they'll go super heavy on the metaphor. Like, at one point, Lancelot's so, like, sexually frustrated by being in love with the, qu the queen, he stabs himself with his sword in his right. sleep. Because <laughs> he fights himself. Like, Come yeah. on, guys. And then... And then after Arthur realizes that uh, he was raped by his half-sister and he runs to the church, a lightning bolt strikes him <laughs> in the heart. <laughs> Let's see, and I, I kind of like that kind of stuff. He is. I like it. No, it's it's cool. Like it's kind of one of those things where you're with it because it's so like committed well, that, to that it. That kind of brings know? me to my next point, which is that like the, the one of the main things I really liked about this movie 
is that it's the full story of King Arthur, and it doesn't like, like there's that there's that movie with uh, Kira Knightley. It's like, oh, this is the true story of King Arthur, and it's like, but it's not. <laughs> there was no. I mean, there might have been a King Arthur, but we don't know enough to tell the true story of King Arthur. You just didn't want to pay for like a sword in the stone and for dragons and shit. And then like you. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I, I was I was reading up on it because I was like, I, I know that there was what people assume is a King Arthur, but I was like, but how much of the story is true? And it's like, a Lancelot was just something added later because the French thought it would be cool <laughs> if he was in the story. The French are, the, he was really the, good at The French fighting. are like, we like this guy, but can he fuck, can he, his wife get fucked by someone else? <laughs> um, yeah, and then you have that movie that just came out with uh, with Jude Law and... The guy from Pacific Rim, King Arthur, and at the end of that movie, oh, the guy Richie yeah. one. Did anyone? I, I saw Did it because of Movie Pass. Movie Pass, Let's... come back. I took advantage of you. Um, at the end of that movie, he's he's Was like, oh, let's build a round table, as I'm the king now, and it's like, okay, so that movie took a whole movie to tell like the. 10 minute scene in Excalibur where he becomes king and builds a round table and it's like I don't care about like like Josh said it goes from him being a baby to him pulling the sword out of the stone and becoming king like you miss all that time in between I don't want to see that time I want to see King Arthur as the king of England and him having to deal with his bastard evil demon son as opposed to him just dealing with some random dude that he has to kill you know, just like what I like too is that it doesn't um, it doesn't tell you this either, and that actually threw me once because it cuts from the night that the guy rapes her to nine months later, but it's the exact same set. <laughs> so, right. So she's just suddenly holding a baby. You're like, oh, okay, but it like it. I prefer that over something that, like uh, remember when we watched Mary Shelley's oh, yeah, Frankenstein, and for the first half hour of the movie, it's like. Two years later, five years later, three years later, and it's like I get it. Yeah. Time is passing. You don't need to. The beginning of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein <laughs> felt like an under, like Arrested Development skit, where it's like, oh, now thirty seconds after that. Um, but yeah, I, I like that too. And they even they even put it in the plot where they're like, the knights don't trust you anymore, Pendragon, because you fucked his wife and you took his castle. It's like. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand why you did it, and I like it. Um, but yeah, and I like that because after Lancelot cheats on him, then they go they go after the Holy Grail, and they have to find it to bring Arthur back to life. And then he has to fight his son because his son wants to take over, and he's going to do it one way or another. And it kind of shows, like, yeah, you see everything that happens in King Arthur's life. And it, it comes off pretty well. You you get it and you, you get the whole story without like feeling like they needed to add more or take away anything, you know? You don't feel like you were gypped. Yeah, where no. when I walked out of Guy Ritchie's King Arthur, I was like, that movie should be called Regular Arthur and how he became king slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but That movie should be called The Kid Who Would yeah, Be King. It would have been better. Um but yeah, that's why like and also like okay, so at the end Merlin comes back after being frozen in carbonite and he tricks Morgana into le- releasing the dragon's breath because he's like, you can't do it. And she's like, yes, I can look. And then she releases it, but it helps Arthur and hurts her guys. 
But the funniest thing... I also like that scene because... Uh, oh, God. Well, like, behind them, there's, like, a big statue of a dragon that's made of gold, but it's very clearly made of, like, cardboard and plywood. And I'm like, is that supposed <laughs> to be the dragon in this movie? Or is that is that just, like, a statue meant to be... I, I assumed it was a nice statue. Because this um, movie never shows... No, but they... they, they d- <laughs> yeah, you never... It's like, the, the magic is always hinted, not really seen yeah. for the Like, you see part, the lady in the is... lake, but that's... That's as much special effects as they could afford with their $11 million it's, budget. It's good because the special effects <laughs> are pretty uneven. But uh, I was going to say the funniest thing in that scene where she releases the smoke is it's like, oh, it, it aged her. Like, actually, she's no longer young and beautiful. She's like an old woman. And I assumed it would be like, oh, she's literally like a mummified hag or something like that. But it's just kind of a regular old woman. But her son is still so disgusted by seeing, like, a 65-year-old woman. He's like, ah! And just starts killing her. He beats her her to death. I wanted him to do that and then him to be like, Mom, did you see that lady? Like, he's just scared of old women. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's like it, he the the lady like looks not even that bad for how old that like woman must have been. They didn't even do like the the old age makeup from Prometheus where he looks like he's a hundred years old. Yeah. she just looks like a pretty in shape like sixty seven yeah, year she, old woman. Yeah, she looks like you know? they try to find someone who looked like Helen Mirren at like sixty years old, but it's like she well, and it doesn't even <laughs> yeah. make sense for her to be. They should have gone all the way with it because yeah, she's but, not that much older than Arthur. Yeah, just make her a mummy. Yeah, because like they 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 were almost like implying like oh the yeah. magic's doing it to her body, but also it only aged her <laughs> about forty years. But like it's not that big of a deal. The magic doesn't take everything from me. Um, <laughs> but her son is such a little bitch. She still cannot handle having an yeah. old mom. Also, that movie, because they go through the Grail, and I'm not gonna lie, the Grail part gets a little old just because you're following around people that. You don't even really remember. Yeah, you start to follow Percival, Lancelot Squire, like for most of that. And And whether it's whether it's it's the movie Excalibur or when I read the Once and Future King, I don't give a shit what Percival does. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I will say that the the little boy, Mordred, Morgana, and Arthur's son. is does a pretty good job of looking creepy as shit. Like that kid is genuinely. Yeah, he also does because he has a good voice and he does a good job of like projecting some weird like vibes. <laughs> they also give him this weird golden baby. Yeah, armor I think that's that, what kills like, it. Like where like the helmets literally. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> this guy's a. And Morgana kid. has or like the guy has it later. What's his name? Mordred. Mordred has it when he's Mordred, an adult. yeah, Mordred. Like, just the idea of, like, a little kid's armor is kind of creepy as it is. So, like, to see him... And he has, like, big buck teeth. Yeah, he's got, like, the like the kind of weird... Albi- like, so blonde, he almost looks albino yeah, look to they him. they do a good job yeah. just... of making him look evil as shit. Which is, like, that's good. Even, like... Even as, like, a young kid, he's, I mean, as, like, an older kind of teen, he's still, like, he has that kind of Aryan, Aryan problem about him, where he's just so blank-faced that he looks evil. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, he's so pale, it almost looks kind of monstrous, like those, uh, those monsters from The Descent. Like, he looks a little Bat-Boy-ish, because he's so pale and, like, with, like, big, blonde, like, blue eyes. 
no thanks. Yeah. So then they go to war. I guess I'm saying I wouldn't have sex with them if if we're at if we're talking. Yeah, I'd have about to it. I'd have to be tricked somehow with Morgana's smoke rings. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think like the fact that you don't see Mordred for like so much of the movie because how could you? And then he ends up he still manages to be such a good presence that it doesn't feel like you've been chipped when like him and Arthur go to war, you know? So then Arthur <laughs> kill like they go to war and they kill each other. And uh and they're like, throw the sword in this the water. Throw the sword back in the water, Percival. And Percival's like, I can't do it. And Arthur's like, do it, you piece of we, shit. We also skipped over. This is also probably why Percival just comes across as unlikable. The way he gets his holy grail is like he keeps having these visions where it's like why do you seek the grail and he's like huh and then like later he has one of those visions and it's like why do you seek the grail he's like oh for arthur and they're like okay here you go it's like oh well, why didn't you just answer that the yeah whole it is time? A, like it is weird because well i don't think it's a vision i think he actually finds a castle where the grail is hidden and he's he has visions of it like at different times. Like at one point, he's just, like stuck hanging from a tree. Oh yeah, because Mordred. And he dreams he's in the castle. You know, like it's like building up to it. So he you know goes, what I yeah, mean? he goes to the castle and he sees the Grail and he immediately runs away and it's like what? And then the other knights have to be like, hey, hey, come back, we're dead. You gotta go get it, buddy. And so then he goes and gets it and they're it's like the easiest answer and they're like what? What do you want the Grail for? And he's like, "Cause Arthur and the King of England, I mean, the city of the country of England, are the same." And they're like, "That was the riddle." And they're like, "All right." So then, like, and then they play Orf O Fortuna in the best scene in the movie. We're just kind of running through the city as it comes back to life, and by city, I mean country. As it comes back to life, as they go to kill Mordred, um, and I think like that's why I, I always. <laughs> It's always kind of funny because, like, yeah, I don't like Percival that much. And so I'm kind of a little bit checked out during those scenes. And then it starts playing O Fortuna as to be like, hey, wake up. Arthur's about to do some shit. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like it's one of the, the few unironic uses of yeah. that song, you know, that eventually became a parody of itself. You're like, oh, it's cool to see this used, like, for get, real. Get in, loser. We're going incest killing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was Excalibur. I highly recommend it. It's It sometimes comes on streaming, but a lot of the times you have to rent it. But it's worth a rental. I think it's worth watching. Especially if you're interested in King Arthur's tale, but you don't want to watch Ridley Scott or Guy Ritchie make up their own version that has nothing to do with any of the tale part. Watch this movie, because it's the best. It's the best version of the story. But overall, it's a good it's a good time. It's two and a half hours, but unlike Knight Rider, it doesn't feel like it's four Man, and a half hours. I, I just realized so. that we picked medieval movies. It's like, oh, these are famously long. <laughs> yeah. Well, too bad. Yeah, so next week, I think we're watching... Oh, we're watching Kroll. Josh's pick, Kroll. <laughs> uh, oh, no. oh, no. So, yeah. So, come back for that. I don't think either of us have seen it. And we're about to find out whether it's even medieval or not. Um, so yeah, come back next week. We're watching Crawl, and stay tuned for a new deep dive as well, because that's coming up sometime this month. Who knows when? But yeah. All right. So that's it. Josh, do you have anything to say? Um, I hope Crawl is good. I hope Crawl is cruel. 
I hope Kroll is adequate is probably what I should hope for. Yeah, so come back next week when we talk about Kroll, <laughs> and we'll see you guys on the flip side.